Do you think that maybe today on Batman in Quarantine we should just talk about Star Trek Year Five? Do you think our our Boy, that was, that was brave, so... brave and wonderful listeners would appreciate that? Yeah, and we, could, and we could just make it up. It's like, yeah, and then we forgot about this one like half issue here of Return of Bruce Wayne, where somehow he suddenly shoots into the future and he's on the Enterprise. But you know, it was nice to see a direct comic reference to Chekhov's gun in in a Morrison comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be that would be very good. I bet people would love it. Um, I'm so so excited for next week when we do the two 701 and 702 issues. Yeah, it feels like that's been kind of like like hovering like a bat, like oh. wait, waiting to, to come in and be talked about. episode 42 where roman and jeff are just hanging out for a week together two boys two rooms not one room two rooms separate rooms, two rooms. one zoom call two rooms return of bruce the... oh two rooms with a view were you gonna make a two... joke i was i was okay. you, you knew my joke <laughs> i didn't i don't know the joke what's that a reference to uh room with a view em forrester the the movie from the 90s i think or 80s um yeah that's somehow off my radar like most <laughs> of the references that you make man you would probably do just so well to be on a podcast with people who like understood all the references you make <laughs> it would probably be very gratifying to you like, as well like like oh sweet i make all these actor and movie and television references that jeff never gets but people are probably like, no, that's a good one. You're getting it, bud. <laughs> it, it, it would probably throw me off because I'd, I'd be like, oh, wait. Shit, they know what I'm talking about. Oh, and they're making, and they're making better references. Oh, crap. <laughs> oh, wait. And all of mine are wrong. It's actually called yeah. <laughs> you know, a room with a window or, or something. <laughs> Where we're talking about Return of Bruce Wayne number three, a swashbuckler of an issue, if I do say so <laughs> myself. Yannick Paquette on art. Grant Morrison on writing. I just spit all over my open pages. Because I talk with plosives. Take that, Morrison. So, last time, talked about the old Batman and Robin 12. We're going to get Batman and Robin, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's actually a week out now because we're doing our special 701, 702, and email show next week. So, heads up to everybody as a reminder. Next week, we're going to do Batman and Robin 701 and 702 because we're reading these in the omnibus format in the way that Grant Morrison wanted them arranged. I would have put those issues a little earlier, but listen, Morrison's a bigger, better thinker than I am, so I'm going to resign to whatever he thinks, but we're also going to be doing an all-email show with, like, questions or just feelings about, you know, the issues that you've read, because um, we do have a number of those in the bank, and we'll be getting some new ones from folks, so would love to have more, so if you're listening to this at this point, you've got, you know, five or six days, I'm not sure, we'll either do the email show on Wednesday or Friday of next week, but you've got several days to send us ideas questions thoughts comments you know do you get roman's references tell us uh <laughs> because he deserves to have that ego stroked maybe nobody does and you know i can just start making shit up and no one will ever know i mean i would believe any of them i mean you know you say stuff and i'm like oh yeah anytime i don't understand something i'm like it's probably a reference that works but i guess on our other podcast 
I say a lot of things that you just nod and go along with because they yeah. don't. Yeah. So it's, you know, the shoe is yeah. on the other foot. Yeah. They're modern current things that I'm like, huh? <laughs> I also just make up random shit and try to see if people <laughs> go along with it. And uh, you're generally pretty, uh, well, not one to call me out on it. So this issue starts with a memory of Batman fighting Darkseid to imply that Bruce is starting to get his memories back as he's sailing through time. But he does pop up mm. on a pirate boat with black beard as i really liked your sailing through time nice little pun there oh i don't even remember saying it and it was like 15 <laughs> seconds ago uh, <laughs> um he is picked up by these this pirate crew they think he is the black pirate we hang out with a young kid who's also there who sort of is the narrator as we're following his journal entries through this issue he seems to know that bruce is not the black pirate but in thinking that he's the black pirate <laughs> They try to get him to bring them to the Miyagani Caves to get a treasure that has been told to be there for many, many, many years. And as they're going through it, they go through all these different traps and different, um, well, it's basically this, you know, a kind of secret origin of the Bat Cave, so to speak, in this issue. And as we're going through it, we get a scene in present day, the Justice League talking to Red Robin, who looks mysteriously like Bruce Wayne. And we get a cool scene of Batman putting on a cloak and kind of a adopting an identity, finding his old ratty bat costume that's been hidden in the caves and getting on out of this thing, you know, as we'll get into. And then we get a cool scene of this, the young kid kind of connecting the Wayne family to this adventure that he had that I really dug. And then we get a teaser with Jonah Hex at the end for our next issue Roman, you're a bit of a swashbuckler. You slap a salmon or two. You ride on a boat. You wear a bandana. How did you like this issue? Uh, I do I do like to swash a buckle here and yeah, there. Yeah, man, you don't mind a buckle at all. You'll swash <laughs> it left. You'll swash it right. You don't even need to keep those things clean, much like our young protagonist in this who's got dirty buckles. <laughs> um, what'd you ask me? <laughs> did you like the issue? I mean, what'd you think I, about I, it? I really, I mean, I, I like all the issues of this series, but this might be my favorite issue Wow, and, and and if if Django was on the podcast, I bet this is Django's favorite issue. <laughs> Why do you think that? Just because he likes a he likes a cave, or he likes a pirate, or he likes a beard. He, he, he likes he likes pulpy adventure stories, and okay. this this is like you know Temple of Doom is based on these kind of stories. <laughs> yeah, so this this is like a very sort of straightforward Indiana Jones esque story that then as you know at the end kind of ties into the larger mythos and it does a really yeah. cool bit of sort of creating a, a a very deep history for the bat cave in this story which is my favorite part of it i think i still like the puritan times issue more just between the art and i just mm -hmm. loved kind of it, it lit my head on electric fire but that, this that's one true. yeah that's beautiful art in that one yeah but this one is is great and it i think that it really encompasses like morrison's ability to tell singular issue stories in a really fun way and then also have them be like a larger thing that's connected to a, you know, a very rich, deep world. But on the surface, yeah. he's able to do these really great like one shots like Batman 666 where we're in the future. Um, or it's, it's a thing that he's able to do, I think, better than most folks. And this one really does stand on its own, like you said, as like a pulpy you know, action issue. Yeah, and, and he does the one of Morrison's favorite things where he, you know, ties it in with obscure characters from DC's comic history. Okay. So but, 
I need, I need at the end of the last issue or Return of Bruce Wayne two, you were like, oh, the black, the black whatever, pirate, the black yeah, the, pirate. Yeah. Can you tell me about that that guy? I don't know anything about him at all. I think that's one of the things that this issue also appeals to me because little Roman history back in when I was a kid, that's in the like I don't know, seven, 1977, There was an issue of Justice League of America that the cover had the Justice League and the Justice Society confronting like these characters and one was the black pirate and the other ones were like some like revolutionary american star spangled woman character the spanglers and, and yeah and then like the viking prince was in there and all these characters and as a kid i had no idea who these characters were and they were all from past dc history comics and the black pirate was a pi a, basically a pirate superhero that was around in some comic in the 50s and he rarely ever appears Though in James Robinson's Starman series, the ghost of the guy here, um, Jack oh, Valor. Yeah, yeah, or Jack yeah. Vance or something it becomes. Yeah, Jack Valor. Um, his ghost is an integral part of the Starman series by James Robinson because his ghost is still haunting that that city, Opal City. Okay. I, I'm just thinking about like Young Roman in 77 and that feeling of like opening a DC comic and being like, oh shit, there's a bunch of characters I don't know. <laughs> but that at that time, you know, the amount of continuity that you're missing is so much smaller than in 2000. <laughs> yeah. like, encountering black, you know, the black pirate in is that right? The black pirate. Yeah. In in 2000, you're like, oh man, there's like 60 years that this could have come from. But like 70s, <laughs> you're like, well, it's only like 30 years this is coming from. It's probably yeah. still feeling like trying to find a small thing in an ocean, but it's still. Uh, it's still very interesting and i'm yeah, sure and my, and my kid brain was confused because it's like why is he called the black pirate when his costume is like a white shirt and a purple cape and cowl <laughs> I, I did love the design for the purple cape and cowl and I, I i love the way that that costume and just god way to go morrison that costume <laughs> that character it's sort of just like a dumbed down batman it's like a cowl but it doesn't yeah. have horns and it doesn't you know it, it, it's not rooted in fear or something but the way that it's used in this issue is that Bruce puts it on to obfuscate his identity, but in doing so kind of triggers these memories, right? Like it's mm. like, you know, muscle memory or something of like reminding him about being Batman. So just, yeah. you know, Morrison to connect these two disparate ideas into, you know, a, a tapestry, weave these two strands into a braid of, you know, a strong story idea. And I'm sure that our friend Chris Murphy knows all these characters and their first appearances and he could write us a, a, a charming oh. and <laughs> dense email with a lot of information that would make us giggle at some point i do want to mention that as they're going through the uh the cave um there's a cool reference uh to batman uh, detective comics 205 in which batman on a time traveling uh journey fights a group of indians in the bat cave in the past so detective comics 205 forever ago like still like that happens because as they're going through this cave after you know blackbeard makes them go here and guide him through it because he thinks that you know bruce is the the black pirate he's able to know these aspects of the cave and like there's the miyagani tribe is hidden there with blow darts and it's just like the fact that he would kind of remember that based on having done it in detective comics 205 which like let's see what year that was released 54 wow <laughs> nice 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 um yeah just lots of great connections like that i'm just never the amount of times that you could look at this and be like oh yeah that's fine that's cool 
and if you don't choose to be like, well, wait, is that a reference to something? Like you're just missing all of this stuff because so much of it is tied back to these older stories and, and older bits of continuity that Hickman talks about, who's my other favorite writer outside of Morrison. He talks about having read every single issue of Fantastic Four before writing his Fantastic Four mm. series. Yeah. And I just wonder, I wonder what amount of Batman Morrison has read. Do you think all of it? Maybe. Or I mean, and there's that so much, but I mean, and all of it, like in every single like mini series and everything, but it sure seems like it. And the fact that he works all that into, but he also, you know, he writes the pirates as being, and these aren't just dumb pirates. Some of these guys are really smart. I and mean, they keep noticing things like, well, this, this guy that's leading us, if he knows he's cave so well, if he is who we think he is, how come he's like hesitating? How come he's like, you know, they're, they're, especially the one named Hans. 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 He, yeah. He's very observant. And I really like the fact that Morrison took the time to point out that, you know, at least a handful of these pirates are really fucking smart too. Okay, so I just pulled open a DC wiki and I looked up this issue and I'm seeing the antagonist is listed as Edward Thatch, Edward Blackbeard Thatch. Mm-hmm. So I clicked on him and Vandar Adge of New Earth. Ooh. Vandal Savage. That's Vandal Savage, yeah. And as I was reading this issue, that's, it's blowing me away. I just casually clicked on that now, but as I was reading this, I was thinking, it's interesting that Morrison didn't make this whole Return of Bruce Wayne thing more of a Vandal Savage story. Since he's immortal, I feel like there's an opportunity to have made them bumping into each other through time yeah. such a part. And now I'm realizing he kind of did. Damn you, Morrison. <laughs> damn you. <laughs> uh, it's... He's so damn good. I, on your point of you know the, the pirates being intelligent, I also liked the way that in this issue, near the end, as Jack is, we're following his journal entries and he's kind of recounting this time. He gets very old and by the end of this, he follows Bruce's uh, instructions to like keep all these journals and then go and find these Waynes in this town and give it to them. And they ultimately put it in the, the small bat box that Dick had found in the previous issue of Batman and Robin. I liked just the nod to history that Morrison did in which he says, as, as Blackbeard and Hands are sailing off, and he kind of places this as like, this was the final moments. This was like kind of the last stand of pirate, pirateering. And two months after this, Blackbeard was hanged. And I just, there's this sweet nostalgic feeling for mm. placing it like i remember being young and learning about blackbeard and the stand he took in a bay and like when he, and just being like oh like pirates are different than i thought like it's not just people <laughs> kicking ass out on the sea but um some say that they that when they put thatch to the gallows two months later the golden age of piracy was over but i say there can be no golden age to murder and greed but just that placing it in that moment of like, these are the sort of final stands of pirateering in the, in the new America is just a nice unnecessary thing. Didn't need to be there, but it really provided a context and almost a sunset feeling to it. And it, no coincidence, the light in that page where that narration is going on is just this golden sunset light. Mm, yeah. Just a, a beautiful confluence of writing and, and visuals that isn't overtly Batman, but uh, is, is great. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciated that too. That and that and even though I'd read this before, that caught me off guard reading that two months later and all of that. It's like, oh wow, that's that's really fascinating. So it's Blackbeard in the DC continuity, I guess, which is 
which well, is I, Vandal Savage, or is this supposed to be like you know what's your read on that? That's what I'm wondering. I'll have to look it up later because I don't know when or for how long Black or Vandal Savage was Blackbeard, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if that's something Morrison did or if that's something somebody did like after this story. So it's retroactive. I mean, I don't know. I wonder if our friend Chris Murphy is the person we're talking about who has read all of the issues of Batman, right? Chris, what did you do? How'd you how'd you track yeah. it all? Yeah, what is it? And how does it tie into the, like that time when over at Marvel the thing was Blackbeard? <laughs> yeah, when they oh, time traveled. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot about that. Tracking through this issue, um, you know, we spend some time just on the boat with him fighting Blackbeard, probably a fair amount of pages giving us a little bit of context for who the black pirate is, who Blackbeard is, who this young Jack character is and how they could all fit together. But it ultimately means for about the first quarter of the issue, we're really just setting the stage to have Bruce leading these pirates through the Miyagani cave because there's apparently a treasure there. And we needed to get to that point for this story. And what I loved about that and my favorite part of this issue is just like I mentioned, creating a history for the bat cave and i love that by the end of this issue when we find out that the treasure that's hidden in this cave is actually the batman you know cowl that bruce left in the same cave in final crisis that D- or dick and damien find in batman and robin 12 on wednesday you know that it's there and that it is important because it has those holes in it that uh, show the machine that he was tied up to in Final Crisis. So it shows that this is the cowl from Final Crisis. That means he escaped the Final Crisis thing and he, he survived and, you know, he, he is alive. I love that sort of message through time that they sent. You know, Dick and Damien find that and are able to surmise a lot of information about what's going on. But even more that, like, as they're walking through the cave at one point we see in the shadows the paint that bruce had painted of the the bat symbol the superman symbol the wonder woman symbol and then the the sigil knowledge symbol from final crisis like i just love that like it's hundreds of years maybe thousands of years later but there's that thing that we painted on the wall a long time ago like messages through time are just they pique my interest yeah yeah and, pu- and putting that all together like the holes in, in bruce's cow we i don't that hasn't been mentioned before but it comes up in here. It's like, oh, wow, of course. That's, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, the way that we could definitively say, like, oh, this cowl is that same cowl. And, you know, Morrison must have intended that, like, during Final Crisis. Like, all right, J.G. Jones, the artist, make yeah. sure it's got these three <laughs> green tubes that are sticking into his brain, right? Like, to de- yeah. definitively mark this cowl. Um, really yeah. brilliant thinking ahead. Yeah, and I, and I love, too, that just with a, a little kind of – throw a line of dialogue from Damien in this issue, you know, reminds you the fact, yeah, this is concurrent with Batman and Robin because Damien says, shouldn't we get back to like the Joker? Right. <laughs> Even though it's like, well, but we're looking for your dad, kid. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the moments that <clears throat> Bruce has returned to throughout this, re- you know, returning Bruce Wayne thing, I-, I think it's interesting. I've been interested in trying to, surmise why the moments that he has arrived at are the moments that he has arrived at and in issue two of this he arrived not long after mordecai his relative had died and so he sort of adapt adopts that personality and in this one so dr cody walker mentions that he always arrives after someone needs him and i think that the witch um annie in issue two like she had sort of been praying to the gods 
for help. And in this issue, we have Jack says that he had been doing that exact same thing, sort of praying for help. So the idea that Bruce Wayne, Batman, comes to the places that need him, I, I really like that connection there. I, I do too. Um, Dr. Walker, he did, he did <laughs> to borrow one of his phrases, um, how, yeah, the idea that, that the Batman can be summoned to where he's, where he's needed to help to help those in need um, so did you read doc walk's chapter on this i haven't yet okay um but, but I, that I, sounded that's about as much as i got out of doc walk's chapter so you said it without needing yeah. to read it <laughs> well i got i got got it from his previous chapter about the previous issue oh well i don't remember what i was gonna say oh because just that when he shows up here jack valor who is the grandson of the original black pirate and he's the current black pirate he's about to be killed um so bruce shows up just in time to to save him and then get into our to our pre bat cave bat cave yeah i just i'm so tickled by the bat cave having a presence that has been around forever right it's cool that it's a cave beneath wayne manor that he you know used and and turned into a, a work area <laughs> i think it's cooler that like wayne estate was formed and built above it because of the legacy of it right like we haven't gotten to that part yet but yeah. the indication or implication is that these caves have been eternal and maybe Wayne's settled there because of it. Like that's, that's just, it tickles me. Yeah. And I've been wondering um, years later when they do, uh, uh, Oh God. Um, <clears throat> oh, the, the series that would, Oh, I can't remember the name. The series that was all about like the history of Gotham and gates of Gotham gates of Gotham. And isn't there well i thought there was another one with the white cover um white and red cover it's pretty long like a 12 issue series hmm. i was just i was just wondering if they get into the history of wayne manor in that series it wasn't morrison it was i don't know if it was snyder dang i don't know what that it would be yeah gates of gotham was one of them but there was that other one that i just can't think i never actually read <laughs> yeah no problem with that but i but i know you have oh have i yeah, because you love it. I thought it was about the history of Gotham City and the kind of the Court of Owls and. Gosh, okay. What else? What else in here? I think it's really cool to mention that we find a very Dole esque uh, statue of a human esque bat within these caves that sort of answers the question of where did that statue come from that Dick had found? Like, is it. Was it the Satanist worshippers, which is sort of what I was thinking? Like they had modeled a sort of Satanist statue embodying the bat god that they follow. But in reality, it's just the Miyagani tribe had made a sort of living bat type statue that seems to get more refined as time goes on. But I like, you know, again, we posed that question last episode. Here we're getting an answer. And the cool thing about this Batman and Robin return to Bruce Wayne relationship, if you're reading it in the correct order, is that it poses questions and then answers them sort of simultaneously. And I think that's such an incredible bit of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a little, and I'm not, I wasn't even sure when I read this issue just now, if the, the, pirate age descendants of the Miyagani, of anthro actually the first boy of the Miyagani tribe mm -hmm. if they had if they are the ones that started kind of shaping it into a into a human-esque figure or if that had happened if that had been started by somebody else before them because i because i still wasn't sure is that a stactylite or stalagmite whichever one is the <laughs> one that hangs from the hangs from the, the roof of the cave the tight ones yeah if they shaped if 
it was one of those originally that then they started shaping into a bat, a man bat figure. That's sort of my read on it. Because yeah. as far as I know, these caves are the spot where the deer tribe and the bat tribe joined together when the pilgrims came. So I yeah. think that they're the only ones who've been occupying the space and that they would have, yeah, like sort of carved that into it was my read. Man, I just love all the the bat motifs in here. At one point they're going along and they there's a great panel that shows all these skeletons covered in, in bat droppings and Bruce figures out that's what killed those men is is the methane from the bat all the bat crap it asphyxiated those men and it wasn't ghost it was bats <laughs> which is a great callback to issue number three of morrison's run when they're in the cave and alfred and bruce are talking about how they deal with the methane in the cave yeah <laughs> um, i don't remember that exact moment but i remember that being a conversation that came up like yeah he, he ties it right back to the beginning of that which is pretty incredible yeah and i love that because who i mean has anybody other than morrison ever brought that up just the the practical mechanics of spending so much time in a right. bat cave you got to do something about the methane <laughs> yeah you got to have some some vents or something i want to know how these miyagani uh they must have really strong leg muscles because a bunch of them are often like hanging upside down from the the roof of the of the cave like bats and it's like yeah. wow that'd be really freaking hard to do it would be i really liked that uh that whole idea right just this... yeah it just looks cool mm -hmm. <laughs> i guess i'm not sure if the way that a lot of those pirates die is that they stepped on like a booby trapped stone or if their heel caused a spark that then lit up all of the methane that killed a bunch of them oh yeah that's one of some of that you know great classic serial indiana jones type thing they're trying to follow bruce through the cavern and he warns them don't step on any raised stones right um methane is highly flammable so yeah i think that's one of them you get a close-up of a heel accidentally steps on one of the stones and and the, yeah the stone descending causes a spark that lights the methane okay which is that's all the blue flame methane burns blue i guess oh okay i would i thought you were just telling me that and i was like oh sweet roman knows things i don't which he always does I mean, yes, yes, methane does definitely burn blue. <laughs> I've done many experiments with bat guino. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like Yannick Paquette's art a lot. I'm excited to get to like Batman Incorporated, with which he starts, you know, that and, and does a fair amount of art in the very beginning of that. I like the art. This one, it shows that like he does draw human figures kind of ambiguously. Like he's also done Wonder Woman Earth One with Grant Morrison, but like. Hmm that red robin doesn't look like red robin that just looks like an adult man and even to the point where like when it shows dick and damien in their suits trying to get into the bunker between you know beneath bloodhaven damien's looking as tall as dick dick is looking much burlier yeah. and less svelte than he does which that is not a yeah, complaint but just an, a, a thing to notice yeah i definitely noticed that and it seemed odd and kind of in my head i was like well it's, i guess it's because they're wearing bulky like bat radiation suits or whatever these things they're wearing right because <laughs> of the toxins but yeah damien is very large here just like his drawing of there's a panel that shows the then very short-lived current roster of the justice league when kong gorilla was on the team oh god when was and, that was that like james robinson writing it like christ that, for justice era that, yeah, that was actually only from the Cry for Justice maxi series. Yeah. Because that wasn't the JLA in the main book. But yeah, just 
Pequet's, uh, his face, the Congorilla's face of the big golden gorilla that's Congorilla. That's the weirdest gorilla face I've ever seen. It, it really is. He's very stylized and kind of chunky. And I think if you don't really realize how proficient he is as a cartoonist, uh, it's easy to kind of write some of this stuff off. Yeah. <laughs> in my mind. Um, I do like that as Bruce like falls, he kind of pretends to fall and he grabs the Black Pirate's purple cloak so that he does that classic, you know, protect your identity move at the, you know, like I'm gonna pretend <laughs> to die and then I'll come back as this this thing. Okay. Doc Doc Walk brings up <laughs> some points about how so much of this is this idea of returning to the under, like part of the hero's journey, going into the mm. underworld and coming back a hero. Um, in this one, like going to the underworld, coming back a bat god, and the bat cave kind of resembling or embodying that idea. What do you think about that? You're more in tune with just like the hero's journey and, and that specific type of metaphor than I am. Is this whole return of Bruce Wayne thing? you know, supposed to be this idea of going into the underworld and coming back the perfect version of this God character. What's your read on that? Do you give merit to that? Yeah. I think there's a lot of, a lot of merit to that. I mean, I mean, yeah, the whole Batman's whole journey here is, is I like that repetition of revisiting the the underworld for him because him and he in particular is kind of lives in the underworld and makes forays into the, uh, you could say the upper world uh, to uh, to meet out justice. Right. Um, yeah, I was just thinking. I wonder now. The previous issue in the Puritan times, where I wonder where that is on the heroic journey. But I definitely see it in the first issue and this issue in particularly. Um, I, I I think I agree. Um, and then there's this interesting moment where the pirates are talking and they talk about how in this area, this is where Judge Solomon's brother died in the caves. And Doc Walk thinks that that's a reference to Solomon Grundy, which then strengthens this idea of death and rebirth within these caves because Solomon Grundy is, you know, the eternally dying and reincarnating character. But I didn't know if that was actually, in fact, wow. a reference to Solomon Wayne, who we do know is, we've seen the name Solomon in the lineage. Yeah, where is that? I don't remember that at all. Um, is it before Bruce, like, falls off the edge into the water yeah it might be after that like when they're all just talking um like sorry the the like postscript stuff um and maybe it was uh jack that was referencing it but it is it is mentioned in here it's, it's a sort huh. of off the cuff thing but i just remember being like is that a reference to solomon like the solomon wayne huh yeah well yeah if, if there is a solomon wayne i would think it would be him but i don't know i didn't even catch it Hmm. I'll need to actually go through here and refine that line. One of my favorite things about this is at the end, we have these like two pages of just journal narration of Jack and he ultimately following Bruce's influence and his grand great grandfather's influence became this black pirate saved the woman and ultimately became his wife. They have a kid and he takes all these journals and brings them to the Van Derms wealthy brother and sister in Gotham town. And Van Derm was the, uh, the Dutch painter who painted um, in the Thank previous you. issue who painted the... Thank the, you. I was trying to remember the connection to the Waynes, and that's exactly yeah, what it was. He, he painted the portrait of Bruce as Mordecai. So he's sort of been tasked with consolidating some of this history stuff and sending it forward through time by, by Bruce. But as it's going, he says, 
you know, I, I felt this shadow on my heels and he alludes to the bells that become a larger motif as Bruce gets closer to current time and referencing the all over. But this idea that Annie cursed the Waynes forever and Bruce, like they refer to our, our Gotham as being the city under a black sun, you know, and that, that yeah. references the eclipse. But it also kind of commits in my mind, this idea that Gotham is always it's like it is cursed it is cursed in the way that the wayne family is cursed it is cursed to be overridden with crime forever it always will be and it, it seems inescapable throughout gotham history it's always there but simultaneously it also has this never-ending protector spirit in the form of bruce like the curse is that you will your family line will always have to be battling what has happened in gotham and it's even embodied sort of in his own father who's a doctor who die, you know, but he's trying to help. So the, the Wayne family is, is, you know, made to do that. But also that seems to have been possibly started by Bruce going back in time and then causing this curse by this witch on the family. And, but, you know, but in that time, he also like saved Gotham because that's when the crops came back. But then yeah. the curse began there. I just really like the snake eating its tail motif there. Did Batman create himself? What creates Batman? Is it Gotham? Did Batman, Bruce, traveling through time, create him? But there is this never-ending relationship between Gotham will always be fucked and there will always be a Batman there to protect it and save it. And that's not even like a, a good thing. Maybe it's a curse that you're always there. But there's this eternal, the timeless, endless nature of Gotham's corruption. And that's a conversation I wanted to bring up you know, earlier in these, this podcast is just sort of what what how fucked is gotham is it just a crimey city it's like it's a different <laughs> level of a crime right it's a perpetual we like a, a garden that's been overrun with weeds to the point where we'll never be able to be turned into a garden once again yeah yeah and the um and that idea made me think just now so in the previous yeah in the previous issue that snake eating its own tail it's kind of like wow okay so in the previous issue he wasn't able to save annie um because he was wrapped up in fighting the the squid hyper adapter and in a way that means annie's curse that she did at that moment while he couldn't save her the curse retroactively affect maybe it retroactively affected him that stuck him with the hyper adapter fighting her so he couldn't save her which made her make the curse that you know looped around and made it so he couldn't save her <laughs> and i always remember being like as a kid just sort of you know blown away by the question of the chicken or the egg right and even mm -hmm. as a little kid being like well what is and i think that you know there's a lot of the sound of one hand clapping or if a tree falls in the woods is in, in it doesn't make a sound if no one's around to hear it. all these sort of meditational philosophies that don't have an answer but are made to be thought of to encourage thought mm -hmm. so much of that is you know like it's a conversation that puts you between two truths and neither one can be true and so much of this series is that idea of like, do you want a clear answer? Well, bummer. We're not going to give it to you, but we're going to give you ideas to hopefully encourage uh, an elevated type of thinking. And that, you know, like what caused, what is the hyper adapter? What caused it? Or did her curse make it so that he couldn't do that? Like all of these things, de determining causality isn't easy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, because both, you know, both results are, are true and it would have been great if he had saved her, but he was busy kind of both saving himself and in that saving Gotham. So the bigger, you know, it's just like 
Spock's death scene. It's like, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Spoilers um, for Star Trek. I didn't say which one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like, oh, oh, please, please, please. Oh, it, it just, it blew me away in this, in his journal, um, Jack Valor's journaling, that he puts his journal and into the bat box, the little bat casket, and he mentions that he sees uh, something else in there with some the his papers, uh, how they stepped back as if afraid when I did so. I caught sight of an old book and and dot 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 something more of which I cannot speak. It's like, oh, what is that something more? Yeah. And I don't remember what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> so I'm, you know, so excited to get to that point. Doc Walk brings up, you know, a connection that I didn't quite make in this, but this issue is important in that it seems to finally fill his brain with the memories, the lost memories that have, have hmm. happened. Like he he does take the the utility belt from the cave there, which is awesome that he has that but in our final page here after the jonah hex reveal we get this reveal of a character who they're hiring a bounty for but it is bruce on a you know a black horse with a bat-shaped hat with his utility belt on and a holy black outfit holy entirely black not religiously holy <laughs> and and it's it, you know that doc walk specified it is sort of the embodiment of telling the reader that now he remembers fully who he is he is becoming Batman to like, you know, help people. There's no longer this mystery. He, he had like, being in the cave and being connected to the costume and the Miyagani tribe allowed him to sort of fully remember these things and finally move forward. Yeah. Cause he gets, yeah, he gets flashes of stuff. And I think he even figured, is it this issue that he realizes his name? Oh, maybe yeah, he not. says man of bats, bats. Like he keeps saying yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We get also the, uh, in the Jonah Hex scene, I haven't read a ton of Jonah Hex. I've read some of the Darwin Cook stuff, you know, in, in his presence in Batman universe. But, uh, you know, this is, I don't know a ton about that, but I do like that he's dealing a dead man's hand, which calls back to Batman R.I.P. He's oh. got the eight ace, eight ace, and then finishing it with a Joker, which is exactly <laughs> what Joker did at the beginning of R.I.P. Yeah, and I think that's particularly the Joker card that is from, like, the original Joker right. stories in the 40s. That know, that's design. such an iconic <laughs> Joker design. Yeah, and and I think, and is this where they go? This is somewhere along, it looks like cliffs near the sea. Is this like where these two guys go to meet Jonah Hex? It's some old, dilapidated, rundown, abandoned mansion. Is this like an early, incomplete version of uh, Wayne Manor? That's what I was thinking. Because the location seems right. And if you look at the picture above the dead man hand dealing like, of them overlooking the grounds of it mm -hmm. you can see that there is like a flat middle area and then it has branches on the left and right side that go forward which sort of yeah. completes that w motif so it's you know it's got a ultimately like a big u like a, a left wing a big middle area and then a right wing which is probably common house building as well but i do think there's an argument to be made for that being an early incarnation of wayne manor and i love the idea that they think it's haunted yeah, because there's this big graveyard all around it, and and I love the idea that if that is Wayne Manor, the idea that it, it wow. So how many times has this the Manor, like Batman himself, been torn down and rebuilt and added onto, and it's always make becoming better, just like he is. <laughs> yeah, into the underworld like Batman, and re, you know, coming out something better. Yeah, you know, I wasn't 
that thought occurred to me and then I sort of brushed it aside. I'm glad that it came to you as well, because now I think that we're on to something. I do think it's probably, especially like the haunted nature of it. And then like Corpse Road, which Dick was talking about, like there's this, there is a graveyard. I remember in those, just the previous issues we just read, there's like the old graveyard as well. You know, I, I think that there's something to be said for that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I like and I don't know if this was part of Morrison's overall plan, but bringing Jonah Hex into this, if he just did that for, oh, this will be cool for this issue. But then later writers of whoever, was it Snyder, whoever wrote the Jonah Hex series? I think Darwin did a lot of it, All-Star Western. Yeah, yeah. And that was and set in like 1800s Gotham City. And so before all that, Jonah Hex never had an association with Gotham City. So it's cool that Morrison, whether he meant to or not, started that association did it, jonah is it, it, eternal right or is he is he no immoral? no 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 he in fact there's a classic story at the end of his series in in the late 70s or maybe early 80s where um at some point he's gunned down i think he's gunned down and dies and they actually somebody has his corpse stuffed oh wow because <laughs> one of the weird western stories like it was about his corpse and how there was still come some kind of like haunted justice going around just being near his corpse <laughs> i love that character like he's such a part of dc continuity and history but now that i'm thinking about it, i don't ever see him in modern day continuity i'm glad that there is an older character who exists in a different time that is consistently mentioned and brought into stories yeah, yeah. And for a while, I mean, before he gets killed in his own time, because of Christ on the Infinite Earth, he was shot forward into the future and became like that title Hex that was just like a dystopian future Western story. Oh, I don't but know then at the it. end of that, he got sent back to his own proper time. <laughs> and, and, uh, he's met, and he's met Batman, Batman before on the Brave and Bold in various right, time travel stories. Sure. <laughs> um. Well, I know that you've got to get to work and, you know, just to be clear, you know, we're, we're sort of down to the wire. We had some scheduling problems, which is why Justin hasn't been able to be on, but we are coming back next week. Incredibly excited for Batman 701 and 702 and an all email show just with your thoughts, feelings, emotions, questions, comments, criticisms. You're just mad that I smell so weird. That's okay. You can call me out on it. I don't shower as much as I should. Comic life. Uh, <laughs> can, but, I, can I just, can yeah. I say one yeah. other thing? I just, that tickles me about this issue. There's a fight between Batman and Blackbeard with cutlasses on a bridge made out of human bones in a cave. And Blackbeard's got his like his his beard lit up and everything like he really did. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a great moment. Okay, I I'm glad you mentioned that Blackbeard actually did that because I was that was my thinking was that he had to have actually done that for that to be in here. Yeah, and that was like his Batman-type style. Is like he would have these wicks in his big, long beard, and he would have them lit so he'd look like some kind of demon. So he used the, the fear appearance, too. Wow, so that makes it even better to have it be Blackbeard. But you're right, especially that one Yannick-drawn page of like when, he, when Bat has a, adopted the, the Black Pirate identity and he's standing on the Bridge of Bones under an arch of like pelvic bones and he's got his Batman appearance. It almost looks like that Todd McFarlane famous cover with the red background and the, the cloak. Mm. Like it's, yeah. yeah iconic and gorgeous but i know you've got to get to cool. another job and yeah, i'm gonna get yeah. down to our comic shop as well so let's get out of here thank you everyone uh for letting us have a sort of rushed week here and we're gonna get ahead and um 
and yeah, I'm excited to see all y'all, all y'all out there. And uh, all y'all, bat, all y'all, bat, bat y'all. <laughs> and if you're listening, do send us an email. You know, I, I'm so tickled that we've gotten emails from people that we don't know. And if you haven't sent one in before and you're listening or a voice recording like Will did, you can do all of that and send the email to batmanincquarantine at gmail.com. Record a voice memo, attach it to an email, send it, or whatever you want to do. We're into all of it. Um, and we really look forward to hearing hearing from you folks. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited to read Batman 701 and 702. Those were yeah. some of my favorite issues, and it's been years since I've read them. So, Roman, thanks as always, buddy. You are just a beacon of light in a world without any. No, thank thank you, Jeff. You're, you're, you're also a beacon, a Jeff beacon. Oh, and uh, hopefully uh, y'all will see Justin next week as well and Django, that old dust bucket. So anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening to Batman in Quarantine. On behalf of Roman, I am Jeff. This was 42, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Bye.